Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you okay? I don't know why I'm laughing. I just I just love chatting to you and uh, it just made me smile. So there we go. The the conversation piece I'm going to start with is has the title Dungarees. Now there are a lot of people wearing dungarees at the moment and I applaud them. I don't have the confidence to wear a pair of dungarees. I just worry that it would um, show and expand things that I don't want expanding and um, just just look seriously wrong. But I need to know, is, is this a really a thing? Because as I say, so many people just this morning, just driving along, Dungaree after dungaree. It's a strange thing. Some colours, some denim. I don't know. I, I can't remember ever owning a pair of dungarees. I must have done at the age of six. And funny enough, that's quite a few years ago, so I can't remember that. Um, but no, please, please tell me. I love it when you come back to me about questions I've asked in, the, in this crazy podcast. So please tell me. Uh, I need your response. Dungarees, in or out? young or old or it just doesn't matter you need to tell me but anyway enough of me waffling on about dungarees I didn't know I was going to start with that but that that's where we're heading to today that's the sort of day it is and actually I think you can tell because I'm recording this on the first day after the Easter holidays that the children have gone back to school and as much as I love them dearly even the dog is celebrating today because It's just peace. There is peace in the house. There's no arguing. There's no having to ask people to be quiet while I record this. It's just glorious, glorious peace. Anyway, right, let's talk books. We don't want peace on the podcast, do we? The first book we have got is called Trust Me by TM Logan. Then we've got The Great Silence by Doug Johnston. Uh, We've got Panic Room by Robert Goddard. This is How We Are Human by Louise Beach. This Eden by Ed O'Clochlin and Deacon King Kong by James McBride. Quite a few books, six books. Uh, And we've got an author interview, which I'm delighted to say is with TM Logan, with Tim Logan. And if there's time to squeeze it in, there will be a a book box opening at the end. So apologies in advance for that, because that always gets a bit out of hand. Um, But let's not get out of hand now. Let's just dive into these glorious books. So Trust Me is the first book that we're going to talk about. um, And I need to read you the blurb on this one. Two strangers, a child and a split second choice that will change everything. Ellen was just trying to help a stranger. That was how it started, giving a few minutes respite to a flustered young mother sitting opposite her on the train. A few minutes holding the baby while the woman made an urgent call. The weight of the child in Ellen's arms, making her heart ache for what she can never have. Five minutes pass. 10. The train pulls into a station and Ellen is stunned to see the woman hurrying away down the platform without looking back, leaving her baby behind. Ellen is about to raise the alarm when she discovers a note in the baby's bag, three desperate lines scrawled hastily on a piece of paper. Please protect Mia. Don't trust the police. Don't trust anyone. Why would a mother abandon her child to a stranger? Ellen is about to discover that the baby in her arms might hold the key to an unspeakable crime and doing the right thing might just cost her everything. Well, it's fair to say I enjoyed reading this book and I think we should talk to Tim 
now. So TM Logan, otherwise known as Tim. Tim, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. Well, we had to have you on, my goodness. You're, you are, you've sold more than a million copies. I mean, you, you are rather successful in this business. Did you always know that you wanted to write? I think it was always in my head from, yeah, from, from a young age. So when I was at school, I was, I always loved English and, um, you know, it, that was, well, I mean, I, I loved English and also wasn't really very good at anything else. So um, that seemed like it was going to be, it seemed like it was going to be a, a good choice. So then, um, yeah, then I sort of gravitated towards, you know, jobs that involve writing. So I was a journalist for a, for a while and then I worked in, in communications, which is kind of the other side of the fence from, from journalism. So, yeah, I think it, I think it was in my, in my mind for, a, from a young age, but I didn't, it wasn't until I sort of hit my mid thirties when I, started to have an inkling of what I might actually need to do to um to see if I could actually do it rather than it always just being a sort of a pipe dream and did it come to you straight away because clearly you can deliver a, a good story a good tale did you have that from the first time you put pen to paper or was it a bit harder than that no it was I mean I spent so I, I worked in London came back to Nottingham from there and I sort of mid-30s and I thought well you know what I'll tr I need to try and try and write every day and see if I can write a full length novel you know that's 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 really going to be the measure of whether I can do this or not so, so I did that um spent about probably three or four years writing something um I managed to get an agent during that process that book then went through lots more edits and um so it's probably about six six-ish years of, of work went out to publishers in, in 2013 and, and didn't um didn't get picked up so that that first book was kind of um kind of a training I suppose for me a kind of a apprenticeship in some ways and I learned a lot so I learned a lot about about um story and character and plot and all those things um but yeah and then some of them went into kind of after that that was rejected it was you know back to the back to it and to try and you know um come up with the, with the next thing and unfortunately that next book was was lies and that was uh did get picked up by a publisher and, and then went on and, and, and lots of people seemed to like it so um, but I think I think so I've always loved stories and I've always loved I've always you know loved um, stories in kind of all their forms and I've always I've gravitated certainly in the last you know I don't know since I've for a long time took towards thrillers so that was always mm -hmm. kind of the, the genre that I you know tended to to look towards and um, and love love the most. Yes, brilliant. And so in this book, trust me, you, you got the idea for this book I believe at an ice hockey match, looking at a, a young child. What, yep. how do you then get, take that lovely picture and turn, <laughs> and turn it into the premise of this book? I know it sounds a bit sinister, doesn't it? And a bit, um, a bit, a bit, a bit, but it wasn't really, it was just, it was kind of, I think it was, yeah, we, so we have a nice hockey team in Nottingham, we go and see them. I think it was during a, during a break, break in play, a period break, and there was this little baby and, and I have, you know, I always think that you need to have a sort of writer's brain um, kind of always going in the back of your mind. So the, and that's the what if, you know question what if this or what if that and and so I was just literally just, this baby was so cute and so smiley and was smiling at everybody and um I just thought well yeah how, how about what would happen if I if I had to look after that baby and would I suddenly and because the mother wasn't there for whatever reason would I remember what you have to do and all the things my kids were a lot older by then so I just thought well I wonder if I could still you know remember it all and then mm. all those things you have to carry and, and all the kind of timings and all the kind of the things related to feeding and all those things and, and then I just thought well and then you know and then, and then if the mother wasn't there if she disappeared and left you with this tiny uh, infant would you would I would you cope would I cope and and then I thought and how about if it was in a place like like on a train if 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 uh and you couldn't immediately kind of go off and find someone who was you know in authority and say look you know, can you can you can you take this baby off me because I don't know what to do yeah. um, so and then and then and then the kind of the character came Ellen the main character came to be sort of very soon after that um as someone who was you know going to be sort of thrust into the middle of this uh situation and she's a you know someone at a certain point in her life a kind of a turning point in her own life and uh I just thought it would be an interesting an interesting kind of um starting point for a book mm -hmm. and I wanted to and then I could, then I was kind of planning it and thinking about it from there and thinking about why you know the question the question is why would a woman just you know hand over yeah her hand over this baby to a complete stranger and that was and I thought that was kind of that threw up lots of interesting 
questions. And if I if I find it interesting when I'm planning it, then I think I could probably make it into quite a interesting book. So. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And they always say the mark of a good story is to get somebody you care about and throw the worst at them. But then yeah. I was I was thinking, well, who is actually is that? Is it Ellen, the main character, or is it Mia the the baby who 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 actually has had the worst thrown? I'm not going to give anything away as to the <laughs> the story, but it just really made me think about that and and who you were throwing the the worst at. Well, presumably, it was it was Ellen because she's your main character. Yeah, I mean, in in a way, there's lots of people, lots of other characters in the book who've had people who've had you know terrible things happen to mm. them as well. Um, mm. But I, th I think. I'm, I was sort of interested in, in her as a character, as someone who's, she's very kind of, you know, quite resourceful, very capable. Um, so that, you know, the reason why this this young woman, uh, you know, effectively hands the baby over to her is because she's she's walked up and down this train and she's looking for someone. She knows she has to, she has to do something fast to, um, without giving too much away, she has to, you know, hand this baby to someone. And she's looking for someone who looks, you know, uh, like I say, capable, resourceful, you know, smart, knows knows where they're going, and she picks she picks Ellen out for all those reasons. But and so, in some ways, Ellen is sort of the, you know, in some ways she's the she's the best person to for this to happen to. In some ways, the worst, mm. um, and for reasons which become clear quite early on. And and she ends up spending, you know, a little bit more time with that baby in in the first few chapters than she than she thought uh, that she thought she would. And and there's already kind of that bond that's sort of developing between between her and this this stranger's child. And, and I've, I've always I've, I've written books before, and I've read loads of loads of really great books with with parents and parents and their own children. And I was quite interested in you know this idea of um, mm. you know people who aren't you know mm. and a woman who isn't related to the child, and, and how that that you can still have that bond sort of developing between two effectively two two complete strangers. And I was interested in that because as a parent yourself. Do you find it harder writing about children? Um, I don't know. I think I probably, I, I mean, I, I do use some things of my own, some, some things from my own kids. Um, so I, I think probably, probably it's a bit easier. So in the first, my first book, Lies, is a little boy in that called William, who's based quite closely on my, how my son was at the time when he was four or five and this obsession with cars that he had and naming cars and all these kind of, all these little, you know, so as soon as the kids read that, they were like, oh, Tom's in this one. And then, you know, <laughs> and then um, and the next one. And, you know, so they're all kind of they'll pick the book up and say, well, am I in this one or are you in this one? And, you know, so, <laughs> so I do I do use I do use sort of things from um, from my own from my own kids. And but I suppose you have to. There is I mean, there is an element with, you know, with writing where you have to be you have to stand back and you have to sometimes be. Um, I don't know cruel maybe you have to be a bit dispassionate sometimes and and uh you know it's the old saying isn't it you've got to kill kill your darlings and i mean i haven't not that I've, you know not that i would necessarily do that with a with a child no. but um but there's yeah i've certainly got in trouble before for um for a cat that was mistreated in uh in one of the previous books and the cat survived but i do often quite upset people and i i made a mental note never to ever to do that again so yes cats and dogs don't you yes that's, that's yeah, no, go no go. Go. yes it's not <laughs> worth it but you take this situation at the beginning and you sort of you turn it round and and you keep turning it around so i found my perception kept kept changing is that quite fun to do yeah, it's always it's always nice to be able to sort of confound people's expectations and just to um, to lead them up, lead them up one path to a certain extent, and then and then you know switch things around and and it's always you know it's always a case if you're trying to you know with each with each each character with each perspective you're trying to look at that uh, look at the story through their eyes and every obviously every person every person in real life thinks they're the kind of the main character in their own story and, and it's the same thing with. Mm -hmm. With mm. with with characters in books, there you know in every book there there's no one who's a who's a secondary character or a subsidiary or a minor character. They're all in their own heads. They're all the main characters. Yeah. So it's, it's fun to sort of you know to try and surprise people and and confound people and uh, you know within the within the sort of bounds of of playing by the rules kind of thing. So you can't just uh, you can't completely um, you know have some have some crazy curveball coming in from yeah. from left field and pay <laughs> four hundred. That's that's not fair. But to have to, to be able to sort of yeah to to make people think and I love it when people say to me oh, I had this figured out you know halfway through and then it was I was completely wrong and you know well some people do figure it out but I tend I think it's generally in the minority of 
know, of reviews and things that I've read and people I've spoke to who who do um, who do kind of guess the ending. And you know, people who read lots and lots and lots of, of books in this genre, it's quite hard. It can be quite hard to really, really surprise people. So. But even if you you guess, it, there's still a lot. Uh, you know, it doesn't spoil it. Even if you're the sort of person that can work it out, there's still a a great story there behind it to to keep yeah. you reading and turning the pages. I was just interested in plotting because with all these twists and turns, um, how much of a of a plotter are you? I'm probably on the on the plotting side of the scale, if there is a scale. Um, I I try to sometimes I try to estimate. I I would guess probably between half and two thirds um of the story I, I tried to develop before writing it so i'll maybe spend six or eight weeks plotting and planning and writing down some of the kind of key turning points and the milestones and and i'll not i'll normally know where roughly where i'm going to start and roughly where i'm where i want to finish or end up um but there's always lots of things that come along you know obviously during the writing and things you can't see when you're before you started there's lots of things lots of points you know, on the map that you can't actually see from where you where you start. If you, if you, I mean, so you're standing in one place at the beginning, and you have to go into the into the story to really to really appreciate the, the rest of the the landscape and and see the rest of the story. So yeah, I'm, I'm but I am on the I'm on the plotting kind of side of the spectrum. Um, yeah. I think because I, I and I just. I think I would probably get lost. I, I mean, I, I hear about you know. I think one of the one of the most famous uh, pantses is Stephen King. I think, but um, and he just kind of you know he just kind of just get, goes to sit down yeah. and, and does it. And obviously he's an amazing amazing writer. But um, I, I think my fear would be that I would probably get to thirty or forty thousand words and then just completely yeah. you know get lost in the in the woods, sort of speak, so to speak. So um, so yeah. when you're starting a chapter, do you break it down chapter by chapter? So when you're starting a chapter, you know the essence of what might happen, even if it's just a sentence you've got written down for that chapter, or is it less, uh, is it more sort of broken down into acts of the story? It's more, flu it's more fluid than that. So sometimes you'll say, you know, you have one line, you might have one line in, in, the, in, the, in the plan and that will, that will be, that in itself will be three or four chapters. So um, it doesn't tend to be, I will then, once I've kind of got a rough outline of the story, I will then try to sort of go back and um, outline what what roughly what's happening um during each sort of section but it doesn't it's not it doesn't tend to be um you know chapter 37 this is going to happen it's much it's, it's much more it's much more sort of fluid because like i say as you as i'm writing it there are lots of things that come up that um need to be need to be incorporated and added in that you, you i wouldn't necessarily have thought of at the beginning so and that tends to be around, you know, how people will react to certain things and how mm. um, what 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 people would naturally do in in situations like that. And um, yeah, I mean, I think on the other other end of the scale, you got people because I listen I listen to loads of podcasts with lots of different uh, authors <laughs> and, and listen to yours. And and I think I, I think it was um, I think it was it's a David Baldacci or, or Dean Koontz or one of those guys, and, and they who li who literally plans out like every. Yeah, synopsis that's absolutely immense synopsis in the so but that, that means when he when he sits down to write it's just kind of like you know like a like yeah. a you can really go at it like a like a like a machine and uh, it makes it a lot a lot quicker but i guess everybody everybody sits somewhere on the on the on that on that scale and uh yeah it's yeah uh, incredible i heard that cj sansom writes about thirty thousand words as his as his plot that's wow. that's that's a lot of words <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a big synopsis. Yes, I just add in a few more ats and these and thems, and then say, right, that's it, <laughs> done. Yeah, yeah. How do you find the editing then? Because if you've plotted it to a certain extent, um, do you find then as a result the editing process is easier, or is it still as torturous? It depends, really, what what comes back from my. So my agent, my editor will read it. My wife will read the first draft as well, and I'll have to so have notes from three different places and if the edits sort of broadly agree with each other then that is um i mean it really depends every, every edit has been has been different on every every this is trust me is my fifth book and every 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 edit's been quite different so on the holiday which is my third that was a, quite a substantial edit and lots of stuff got taken out and lots of new stuff got put in um 
with trust me it was less less sort of um strenuous um the catch was somewhere in between so that there was kind of a certain again certain parts were taken out and certain um elements were were added in i mean it can be yeah with with a with a when you're plotting that to that extent i think it can be more difficult sometimes with a with a with a really big edit because you kind of you feel like it's in it's in your head the sequence and the story is in your head and you don't want to um to mess too much with it but i think you know in my experience you know 90 percent of the time when i get commentary back and edits back it's that they're, they're you know that they're right and you have the sort of that couple of days a day or two period when you you know when you have when you're sort of this is outrageous and this yeah. is terrible and i can't possibly change this and then you kind of you put it away and you come back to it after a couple of days and you think yeah okay i can see why that is and you know in the back of your head you've probably seen it for weeks or months and you just waiting for someone to confirm that you know that isn't going to work or that wouldn't they, they wouldn't do that or you know this this uh this needs to be changed so so in the large majority of cases that the the editing the edit from the comments i get back are are um you know a really important part of making a making the book the best it can be and I'm interested in when you get an idea and, and you sort of follow it through and it, it turns into a book, how do you know? Because y you must get quite a few different ideas as you're going about your days. How do you know which one will fly? Do you actually have to plot it out until you think, well, actually, that there's not enough to that? Or, or do you know before? I have. I've got a sort of file on my computer, which has got lots of, um, I don't know how many, probably a few dozen just bits and pieces of ideas of um things that I thought might make stories or short stories sometimes they're just you know there might be a link to a news story or it might be a couple of paragraphs or some weird thing that's occurred to me um but I, if I when I'm looking for something new to write I'll tend to maybe pick three or four of them and then you know spend if you spend a little bit of time thinking well how could how because obviously the you know, novel is going to be 90 to 100,000 words and if I think that I can probably I can sustain an idea for that long then it then it's you know it, it's uh it's a case of trying to work out how will i do that and is this is this got the legs to kind of go that go that distance and mm. obviously there there aren't as many in that ideas file which will go the full distance as, as the sort of the ones that are might make a chapter or might make um a short story or might make nothing at all and they're just kind of you know random ideas but um it, it's 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 a case of if, I, if I'm still thinking about it, and if it's I think it's mainly when I'm if I'm thinking about it, you know, and I'm going to sleep at night, or if I'm you know ideas popping into my head, they, it becomes clear sort of to me which which of the ideas is kind of going to make um, make a make a make a full length novel that's got potential to be sort of a full length novel, and, and it it's that six to eight week period of plotting, and if I'm still interested at the end of that, and then I think well mm. I probably I'll probably be if I think this is quite interesting still, and I've spent all this time thinking about it. I think I can probably make it into quite an interesting um, book as well. So I, a book I'd like to read myself. So and that's generally the test that I kind of you know apply to all the books so far. Is if I think I want, I'd like to read it. If I, I'd pick it up myself in a bookshop, or I would be intrigued by the idea myself. Then because I think people can tell if you're not if you just if you're going through the motions. It's mm. I think it becomes quite obvious. So. I need to be sort of enthused by it and still enthused by it, you know, um, weeks into the into the um, plotting process. Because you, you know, you're going to be you're going to be living with this thing for however long. It's you know, for me, it's it'll be. I started the current book in January, and I've got a June the first deadline, and then I'll, I'll be editing through the summer. So you're living with this book for a long time. So you've really got to you really got to like it and be and you know enjoy and with the characters and and so it needs to be something that will that will sustain sustain your interest so uh, but yeah I think it can be quite hard to tell and you you, you do have that kind of moment I, I have a moment of sort of doubt or dread around you know a third of the way in when you think well I've got all these I've got 30,000 words now but uh, wow is this actually the right is this the right thing and is this because you've got you can't really got we've gone a bit too far at that point to yeah. um, yes. well you could you could scrap them all but you know it's, it's if you've got a if you're as bad with deadlines as, as I am, then you it's not you don't normally have the time to um, <laughs> start from scratch. So, well, and you could just keep writing the first thirty thousand words of various <laughs> books and and not get any further. I'm just interested though, because of the success that you've had, do you think it's now harder to get in um, or keep writing if you if you're a new author or an existing author? Which which is hardest 
in the publishing world at this point? I don't know, it's a good question. Um, and I think the publishing, there always seems to be an appetite for, obviously for new, for new, new authors, and new, new people and new um, debut authors, obviously, you know, being a debut is, is a, is mm -hmm. when, you're, when you're a debut, you come in and it's all oh, everybody's debut and then, you, and then you get book two and it's like, oh, you're, you're sort of still here kind of thing. But <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I think that in some ways it's, 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 there are more avenues for authors to come in with, with, with indies and with self-publishing and um, people kind of straddling that or going from one to the other. Um, but certainly, you know, last year in particular, I think it was a very odd, it was a strange mm. year for, for everybody and for, for, um, for, for people who've, who are launching books or for new books. And I think last year to be a debut author was a pretty, was probably a pretty horrible um, experience because you have all that build up to it. And, and then to be launching your first book during a, during a lockdown or during during the pandemic was was uh, you know it's not just pretty dispiriting um, experience, but I, I don't know whether it's whether it's harder, um, harder at the moment. Um, I don't know. Like, like I say, I think I think there's always an there's an appetite for for um, for new new voices in in fiction, and uh, you know hopefully that will you know long 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 may that continue. And and long may it continue having existing authors continue yeah. to publish books. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. And it's anybody balanced. who's got a book coming out next year, yeah, like me. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> if one of your children wanted to write and they came to you for advice, not that my children would come to me for advice, but if they were, what what would you say? I would say, um, without trying to, without being too flippant about it, I, I would say um, have it. You need to have a plan B, or well, you need to have a. It's probably not going to happen. You need to have something else you can do. So, mm -hmm. you know, there are some writers that I that are out there who will have these you know amazing deals in the twenty one or you know twenty two or whatever. Um, I think there was there was actually a, someone in the hardback fiction top ten last week. Is it? Is it? Uh, I can't remember the name of the story, but she and she, he was in her twenties, and which is amazing, which is a you know fantastic achievement. But I think I would say to my kids, you know have you can write certainly you know you can, and, and you can do that but you need to have a sort of a um you think what, what are you going to do for your day job in all the time mm -hmm. when you're when you're kind of learning your craft and building up to it and um what will you do what will you do i mean there's also there's also lots of other things you can kind of tell people in terms of how to try and think a bit more like a writer and how to how to approach it but i think the first thing i'd probably say is that you know it's quite a it's quite a it's obviously difficult to get into and it can feel I think a bit precarious sometimes so you need to have you need to have a plan b a backup um to sort of um sustain you and to, to fall back on and I I was in a sort of weird position myself when I when I was offered so I was offered a, a two book deal initially and then that book came out at the beginning of 2017 and then two weeks after that my boss walks into my office and, and hands me a letter which is a redundancy letter so um Gosh. which was you know and it, which is never never a nice experience at the best of times really but um but then I had the sort of period at that you know at that point I'm, I'm writing book two I'm thinking you know do I do I just take the money and try and see if the writing thing will work do I look for another job which I did do for the sort of the next sort of year or year or year or so um and my father-in-law at one point said to me, you know, maybe this is one of those things, this is sort of fate where, you know, the, the, the gods have sort of, uh, you know, the timing is, mm. it's, it's, it's more than coincidence and you should just try and, uh, you know, um, see what happens. And so I did, and that's, that's what I ended up doing. You know, I, I thought, well, I've got enough, the redundancy money will last probably about nine months or something like that. And so I will see, I'll just see what happens. And, and maybe, you know, I assumed at that point, I think that I would probably go back to, you know, working full time somewhere else, or maybe part time, which didn't end up happening. But, um, but yeah, no, so, so it's quite a long and rambling answer to your question. But um, no, it's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> wow. And you're sitting there in this very nice cabin um, at, at the bottom of your garden. I, yeah. How does it feel? Because having a cabin, as the minute you're in that door, is it writing? You've got your writing hat on, and and it, it's focus, or or is it uh, harder than that? In theory, in theory, that's that's what I'm doing. So I'll come down. I'll try and come down in the morning, um, about eight-ish, and yeah, pull pull some one of the lines down and put the headphones on, and and then try to write through the morning. Um, 
yeah, it's and it's good. It's good in that I can I can separate myself from the house. I used to I wrote in the spare room upstairs in the house for about ten years, and obviously there's a few more distractions there, and there's a few more reasons to kind of you know do things other than work. And uh, <laughs> I'm quite easily distracted anyway, so I need to try and I, I try to limit the distractions. So I'll turn my phone onto silent and um, you know not look at notifications and try not to look at twitter because i you know like i say i'm really easily distracted by by all the interesting things happening there so yeah but it's 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 nice to have the cabin because i can i can can literally just shut the doors and um yeah sort of immerse myself in in the uh in the page and mornings are always work better for me in terms of writing creative creative writing so um afternoons tend to be a bit more planning or you know admin or emails that kind of thing so and if you're having one of the days one of those days where the the writing just isn't flowing do you have a a go-to thing that you do cup of coffee large quantity of chocolate go for a walk what is it that that's the circuit breaker on that I mean there are large quantities of tea and obviously the cabin has got a kettle which is a very important piece of kit um (laughs) lots of tea and coffee um I would tend to because of the way I write which, which is not very it's not linear so it tends to be i will have i'll have a, i'll have it at my starting point but i'll also have parts of the story that are, i'm developing which are which are at other points in the in the story so i can i can normally find somewhere um one of those places to to go to if the, if i'm if I'm where i am at the, in the sort of main story is not really um it's not really flowing or it's i just can't you know work out where to go next then i'll go to a different chapter a different piece of the story and 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 work on that so um i don't really have i mean i will try and go out and do something when i break at lunchtime i try and go and do something i'll go for a run or something or 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 you know do a bike ride and try and you know get my head out because i think it's it, i i i'm not that productive if i'm doing it all day and nothing else and sitting in yeah. a chair all day that tends to be um the kind of diminishing returns really through the yeah. through the day so um, but yeah, I tend to I tend to try and find somewhere else, and even if it's a you know a brand new um, piece of dialogue or a new exchange or a new you know a bit of description, then I, I can I can normally find somewhere if I'm stuck to to skip to and then and then and then skip back. So the the downside of that is that I have lots and lots of I tend to end up with lots of you know these pieces that need to be um, put together at the end. But the upside is that I can normally you know try to hit my word count on most days so um yeah it's kind of swings and roundabouts really no that that's super I'm just interested as well on what day of the year is is the best day for you as a writer because automatically I'd say well it's got to be publication day but is it the day you get the proofs first sent to you or is it the day you see the first proofs being sent out to different people um to to read and review what what is that day? I think it's probably. I mean, it, there is a, there's probably a few. There's a day when you you know you get your box of uh, box of of proofs of hardbacks or whatever they are. Um, trust me, it's my first hardback, so it's been kind of a new experience for me. Um, oh so that's that's a kind of a you know opening that boxes, and it, it it doesn't seem to change really. It's it's been the same for me with all five books. So kind of when you pick it up and hold it, and uh, you know. Um, walking around showing people and you know there's uh, yeah it's, it's kind of it's a kind of a it's a very sort of surreal um experience in some ways but but uh, you know obviously submitting the first draft is quite is, is a is a quite a nice day as well so um yes. that's that's always good and you kind of because at that point you will have hopefully got to a point where you know it's it's making some kind of sense and yes you know that there's more work to be done but um yeah so that, I, I do like I do like that day. I, I kind of, I actually, I like the sort of the day one as well. I like day one when you're sitting down and you've got, you know, because you've got nothing, nothing on the screen and you've got lots, lots of things in your head and you want to start, um, start getting them down the page. So day one, I think it's quite, it's quite a, because, you know, everything is possible on day one, right? Everything is, True. anything can happen with this, with this book and it's in your head. Obviously at the beginning, it's going to be the best thing you've ever, ever done. And, um, and hopefully at the end, you'll still feel, you know, you'll still feel some something like that as well but um but I think the first day is also quite a nice because you know like I say it's like it's like um it's like a piece of 
don't know, a bit of beach where no one else is on and there's nothing else, no footprints yeah. or, I don't know, or a piece of, um, or you're skiing and there's no one else in front of you and you just kind of got all the snow is there ready to be skied on. So yeah, um, yeah, lots of different, lots of different day. I mean, I, yeah, there's lots, there's not much of the, the job that I don't, that I don't like really. So um, lots of good days. Wonderful. And before we end, I must just mention about the TV rights. Well, more than the TV rights for the holiday. I believe filming is imminent, if not already started. That must be incredible. Yeah, it's under, they're, they're filming at the moment in Malta. So um, the book is, the holiday is set in, that's set in the south of France, but they've chosen to film in Malta, I think, for various reasons, including, um, you know, COVID and, and what yeah, have you. So. Sure. Yeah, they've been been filming it for a couple of weeks and it's going to be on it's a four-part drama it will be on channel five in the autumn and yeah again just completely completely surreal that you know to see i sat through the the cast to the cast read through the first two episodes a few weeks ago and just to sort of listen to them you know, obviously the script is quite you know some elements of it are similar but there's lots of um you know, there's lots of bits that you, you recognize and bits and pieces that you think well that, that's straight from the book and because it obviously only, for a long time it only exists inside your head it's yeah and then yes. to see it on a not only on a you know in a, in a bookshop but actually to have people all these people kind of you know in, in this room and all it was a zoom call so it was kind of a strange yeah you know cast run through anyway but uh yeah it was just a just a brilliant sort of um unreal kind of moment and, and I'm, I'm sort of following you know following the sort of progress of it i don't think i'm gonna be able to get out there to um during filming because it's going to be that will be quarantine and what have you but uh yeah it's it's uh it's just amazing to see that it's that it's that it's happening um and it'll be I'm, i can't wait to see it on the screen nor can i wonderful well <laughs> tim thank you so much it's been so interesting to talk to you today and to hear more about you know your process and and how you approach storytelling and just can't wait to read more of your books tim thank you very yeah. much thank you for having me well, that was very interesting as always, wasn't it? And I particularly like the cover of this book. I know Tim's had some um, great books before, obviously. I mean, he's a million copy bestseller, a Sunday Times bestseller. It's extraordinary, really. Um, but uh, yes, his most recent one was The Catch. And then before that, we had The Holiday and, and the others before that. Um, so yes, and I always like to see what the covers are like. But yeah, trust me, from TM Logan, that was a very good read. So there we go. That's one book done. Uh, now let me lift up the next one. So the next one is the Great Silence by Doug Johnson. Now, this book is coming out. It is um, coming out in June on ebook and August in the printed book. So just bear that in mind if you're looking for it. And it's the third in the Scalf series. You will have heard me talk about this before. You'll have heard me interview Doug as well. It's, it's an absolutely brilliant series that manages to combine the it's a weird combination, but it manages to combine a family that are funeral directors, private investigators and, and a drum teacher, all sorts of things. And it's three generations of women. Um, and again, that's why I love it. Um, each chapter takes it in turn to be done by one of the three lead women. And you're always sort of left hanging on at the end of that chapter and you want to get back and hear what's going to happen next. Um, there are crimes, there's there's thrills, there's spills, there's all sorts. Um, and it is, it's an absolutely brilliant series. And, and this is the latest. And I was so excited when, when it arrived. Here's the blurb on it. Keeping on top of the family funeral directors and private investigation businesses is no easy task for the Scalf women. And when matriarch Dorothy discovers a human foot while walking the dog, a perplexing case presents itself with potentially deadly results. Daughter Jenny and granddaughter Hannah have their hands full too. The mysterious circumstances of a dying woman lead them into an unexpected family drama. Hannah's new astrophysicist colleague claims he's receiving messages from outer space and the Scales' teenage lodger has yet another devastating experience. Nothing is clear as the women are immersed even deeper in their most challenging cases yet. But when the daughter of Jenna's violent and fugitive ex-husband goes missing without trace and a wild animal is spotted roaming Edinburgh's parks, real danger presents itself and all three scalps are in peril. Um, 
it, it's a great book. It's hard hitting, but it's it's palatable. It, it you know you it's not going to keep you awake at night. I would say, worrying about it. And it's again, I come back to it's great characters that drive the story, um, and, and it's just a page turn. I think they're extraordinary, and I think Doug Johnson's a fabulous writer and this book for me was a a little bit like a drum set you know it's just building it up and building it up and and the rhythms that you get in a good drum set are there in the book and then as it gets faster and higher and the pace picks up it it does that in the book as well um and i just thought that was uh, extraordinary so yes um exceptional series exceptional writing exceptional characters there we go. I don't think I need to say anything more about that. I liked it, if you're wondering. Um, so there we go. That is Doug Johnson, The Great Silence. And as I say, ebook is out before the printed version. So you could always pre-order it uh, if you want the printed version. So the next one is The Panic Room by Robert Goddard. Oh, let me just get a bookmark. Didn't even know I'd left my bookmark in that one. But Mark, what else is this? Good grief. The things that I find in books. Oh, yes, that's very nice. Um, OK, sorry. <laughs> Just a nice little note someone had sent me. OK, so The Panic Room by Robert Goddard. I've had this one for a while and uh, I thought, right, I need to get this read. Here's the blurb. High on a Cornish cliff sits a vast, uninhabited mansion. Unhabit uninhabited except for Blake, a young woman of mysterious black background. Oh, I'm really not talking properly, am I? Anyway. Blake is a young woman of mysterious background, currently acting as a house sitter. The house has a panic room, cunningly concealed, steel lined, impregnable and apparently closed from within. Even Blake doesn't know it's there. She's too busy being on the run from life, from a story she thinks she's escaped. But her remote existence is going to be threatened when people come looking for the house's owner. For the house's owner, Philippa, for the house's owner. Houses? House. Yeah. OK. <laughs> Shall we just leave it there? And I've not had any coffee today. I've not had any chocolate. This, this is all just this is the excitement of being in a house without children. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to two dollars a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss um, anyway the owner of the house is the rogue farmer entrepreneur Jack Harness soon people with questionable motives will be asking Blake the sort of questions she can't or won't answer 
Will the Panic Room Ever Give Up Its Secrets? I loved it. I think Robert Goddard is a gifted storyteller and I thought this was another great book. I liked the way it twisted. Um, it, it's a, a, a decent read. Yeah, I just thought it, it, it was it was a good one. Was it his absolute best book he's ever written? No. But is it a classic Robert Goddard? Yes, it is. And for that, it, I applaud it. See, I've just noticed that there's a page turned down, so I'm having to rectify that as I talk. Um, but I like this concept of a panic room and people are trying to get into it and and they don't know actually what's inside it. And so you want these things to happen. You want the panic room to open. You want to find out what's inside it. But the, the story is never that simple, is it? So, yes, very good. Um, so the next book, This Is How We Are Human by Louise Beach. Wowzers. This this was a book and a half. This is a book that just grabs you by the throat and isn't going to let you go till the end. And even after that, it stays with you. It's packed full of emotion. Um, and Louise manages to write such different books each time. I don't know how she does it. It's like, you know, how an artist, a painter would probably have a a, a, a type of painting that they would paint and um, and you would expect it and you would recognise it. And it's the same with quite a few authors, I would say. Well, Louise is just breaking new ground every time she delivers something different the the similarity between each book is that they're very very good um okay here's the blurb sebastian james murphy is 20 years six months and two days old he loves swimming fried eggs and billy ocean sebastian is autistic and lonely veronica wants her son sebastian to be happy she wants the world to accept him for who he is she is also thinking about paying a professional to give him what he desperately wants Violetta is a high-class escort who steps out into the night thinking only of money, of her nursing degree, paying for her dad's care, getting through the dark, when these three lives collide, intertwined in unexpected ways. Everything changes for everyone. I think it's, it's exquisite. It's beautifully written. Um, and it just shows that, as I said, Louise can absolutely deliver and uh, I just can't wait to keep reading more and more of her books. You know, if, it, if it's got Louise Beach on the cover, you know you're in safe hands in terms of great writing. But you always need to be prepared for the unexpected. You never know what, what you're going to get. So that's This Is How We Are Human. See, I'm rocking through this, aren't I? Well done, me. Um, the next book is called This Eden by Ed O'Clochlin. Um, and this is this is the blurb. Michael is out of his depth. The closest he ever came to working in tech was when he rode a delivery bike for a food app in Vancouver. Yet when his coder girlfriend dies, he is inexplicably headhunted by sinister tech mogul Campbell Fess, who transplants him to Silicon Valley. There, a reluctant female spy lures him into the hands of Taos, an enigmatic wargamer who tricks them both into joining his quest to save the world and reality itself from the deadliest weapon ever invented. Um, I just thought it was it's a just it's so different. Um, you know, I love the combination of the techno thriller and you've got elements of it being a sort of spy, but with a very modern twist. Um, and you just you know, it takes you in different parts of the world, which is very interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, I can see a lot of people being very intrigued by it. I thought it was well written um, and just a different sort of read. So if you if that's what you like, something fresh um, and uh, slightly sort of quirk is the wrong word to use. Um, but different to your standard commercial fiction, if you're yearning for something different, um, then I think this would this would deliver it. And speaking of something a little bit different, let me just get this up here. So we've got Deacon King Kong. Whoops, sorry. Sorry about all that noise by James McBride. Here's the blurb. The year is 1969. In a housing project in South Brooklyn, a shambling old church deacon called Sport Coach shoots for no apparent reason the local drug dealer who used to be part of the church's baseball team. 
The repercussions of that moment draw in the whole community, from Sport Goat's best friend, Hot Sausage, to the local Italian mobsters, the police, corrupt and otherwise, and the stalwart ladies of the Five Ends Baptist Church. Deacon King Kong is a book about a community under threat, about the way people pull together in an age when the old rules are being rewritten. It's funny in places and heartbreaking in others. Um, well, already we, you know, we've got he's a New York Times bestseller, the author James McBride. Um, and it's a book that is quite it's like eating um, a rich steak. You can't rush it. Um, it's very meaty. It takes time to digest. And um, yes, and if you if you eat it too quickly, it stays with you. That's a terrible analogy, isn't it? I thought it was captivating. I thought it was a, a quite an intriguing story a slow burn you have to be patient with it um but i thought it was just very interesting i thought there were some great characters um that really stood out and uh, yeah again another different book if if you're wanting something that isn't down the typical commercial fiction route um then this could be something. It's got a good energy about it, which, again, I enjoyed reading. So there we are. I think I have whizzed through all those books. And now I've got to turn around because I've been moving them as I've been doing this. So we have had Trust Me by Tim Logan. And we got to speak to Tim, which was brilliant. Very grateful for him and his time. Uh, we've had The Great Silence by Doug Johnston. Oh, great book, great series. A Panic Room by Robert Goddard. Really good. Enjoyed that one. Um, we had This Is How We Are Human by Louise Beach. Wow, what a book. Gosh, we've had some great ones, haven't we? Um, this Eden by Ed O'Clochlin. And also the final book we talked about was Deacon King Kong by James McBride. I think I've whizzed through everything, but that's just how it's going to be today. And now we're going to do a book box opening. So forgive me, I've got a squeaky chair again. I've just realised I need to change that. Anyway, um, so you for those of you who have listened for a while, you are aware that I get this um, book box, a subscription box every month or every few weeks. Sometimes I get them and it gives me great delight to open them live on air with you. Um, if you do not wish to listen to me fawning over bits and bobs uh, that I didn't even know I needed until I saw them, then you're perfectly entitled to stop listening here and I'll see you again next week. Otherwise, let's dig in now. Right. Well, this is very exciting. So it's this one is a book box club. And um, I believe I'm going to open it straight away. I can't remember which month it is. It's, got to, it's April. It's April. There we are. It's April. So um, you have this lovely box, this lovely greeny aquamarine colour. When you open it, you've got an envelope with your name on and it says open me last. Oh, I've also got a pin badge. What does that say? Oh, it's lovely. It's a book box club pin badge and it says thank you for supporting. And I did read that they're going to be... Um, rewarding those sort of loyal followers and that's a lovely it's just one of the uh, book boxes and a pile of books on top and it's just absolutely glorious thank you for supporting love that um and then there's a list of the different things that we've got in so i'm going to go straight in and open the box so the theme this month is this ravaged world so let's have a look. I think there's two books again. Oh, no. The last time we had two books, I, it wasn't my favourite, was it? Uh, so let's have a look. So I'm just opening up the paper now. There are two books, but oh, no, I think we're going to be OK. Oh, this does look quite interesting. Yes. OK, definitely. I haven't heard of these. But anyway, so the first book is called The Supreme Lie by Geraldine um, Mc. Cockerian, I think that's how you pronounce it. Apologies if not. Oh, there's a lovely signed book plate as well. Here's the blurb. Um, 15 year old Gloria is made to Afalia's tyrannical head of state, Madame Suprema. When the country is hit by unprecedented flooding, Madame Suprema runs away, fearing she'll be blamed for the crisis. To cover up this cowardly act, Gloria is made to step into Madame Suprema's shoes and is thrust into a world of corrupt and desperate politicians. As Gloria becomes aware of the forces toying with her every move, she must take decisions that could save or end thousands of lives, including her own. Brilliant and darkly funny commentary on our present times. Oh, this looks great. 
this it's a lovely black and white uh, cover and then there's just an umbrella and the author's name which is in red that's that's very good and then the other book is called the outlaws scarlet and brown being an account of their daring exploits and audacious crimes by jonathan stroud author of lockwood and co i know there are quite a few of you that read lockwood and co books so you'll be interested about that um Wanted Scarlet and Brown. Scarlet McCain is a shoot first, ask questions later kind of outlaw. She survives on bank heists, her wits and never looking back. That is until she meets Albert Brown, a boy with a dark past and an even darker talent. Thrown together in a lawless future, Britain, populated by strange and savage beasts, the two must escape across the wilderness with deadly enemies close behind. This is a thrilling new adventure full of breathless chases, black humour and charismatic heroes. Well, that looks great. Two fabulous books. I'm very pleased with that. Now, let's see what else we've got. So we've got a little bag. It's so little, a drawstring bag. I don't know what you'd put in it, to be honest. I think I don't think you can put anything in that, but never mind. Um, never mistake a woman's meekness for weakness. Oh, I like that. That's written on. So it's it's like just a cloth bag with a drawstring. Um, it's about A3 size. I don't know. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what you would do with that. But let's have a look at what the description is. Oh, OK. Well, Handmaid's Tale cotton bag with artwork by Rose Hartley illustration. Um, this exclusive cotton pouch is perfect for stowing your survival kit. Yeah, I don't know what I'd be able to put in that that would be safe. But never mind. I'm going with it. If it's Handmaid's Tale, I'm up for it. Now, what on earth is this? This is like... um. Oh, OK. I think we're all going quite... Yeah, this is... OK, sorry, I'm waffling. OK, it's a very lightweight mug, almost as if it's been made on a 3D print. Oh, it's made out of bamboo. Well, that's clever. And it can go in the dishwasher. Well, that's 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 very clever. A red Rising Eco Mug. Um, don your wolf cloaks and head into battle howler style. Or if you're more of a peaceful sort, simply brew your favourite beverage. Uh, enjoying this exclusive wheat straw eco-friendly mug. But then it says bamboo on the bottom. It says bamboo on the bottom. And then it says it's wheat straw there. So I'm confused. It's a very light mug. It's then got uh, a wolf in red. And, um, and it does look very nice. I think if I was going camping, not that you'll ever get me camping shall we just say um but if i was to go camping this is the sort of thing to take because it's very light and easy to travel so i'm i'm going with it it could be worse now this we've got a toothbrush we've got a toothbrush a toothbrush that says bite me i'm not particularly sure about that to be honest but never mind so this is oh okay it's a buffy inspired bamboo toothbrush um yeah, I'm sure. Well, I think these bamboo toothbrushes are very good. And now when my daughter says I'm, I haven't got the right toothbrush, I can use this one and show her how clever I am. So that's that's something good. I think we're nearly there. I think that's everything. Oh, is there just there's just one more thing. What's this? Conditioner, cocoa butter and sweet orange, intense and nourishing. Well, let's just have a look. What's this? Oh, it's a hair conditioner bar. Oh, well, shall I open it and have a little sniff? Excuse the sound effect. I'm going to go in and have a little sniff. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, I want to eat that, but I can't. Never mind. But that's absolutely gorgeous. I'll be definitely using that. It smells so nice, really orangey. And yeah, that's gorgeous. Another smell of that. Yeah, but it does smell like something you want to eat, which isn't a good idea with hair conditioner. But there we go. That's April's book box. Loved it. Loved the books. Loved the author interview. Fun, fab times. So look, you take care of yourselves. I've got some brilliant books to talk to you about next week and uh, I just can't wait to see you then. So take care of yourselves and I'll see you very soon. Bye bye. You've been listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.